Hello, everyone. Redcoat here. And Cientier joins him. And we've got yet another podcast for you. Today, we're going to be talking about the challenges of designing an MMO. Yeah, so while we ourselves have not actually designed an MMO, when you look at the uh, the way that design works with some of the MMOs that are out there, and you can examine them yourselves, you can see certain things cause problems. Yeah, uh, if you're looking at a bunch of different MMOs, uh, you can follow certain trends about the stuff that happens with them. But there are three big issues that we believe are, we'll say, pressure points in the design of MMOs. Yeah, stuff that really makes it difficult to design an MMO because of what all you're trying to do with it and what all you have to accommodate. And so our list of issues are community management, content design, and economic management and rewards. Economic management and rewards is one point. Those yes. are together. Yes, it, it can kind of sound like a little bit like two, but they're actually really, really tightly related. Indeed. Moving into our first subject, community management. So one of the things about community management is that you're dealing with just a ton of people. So people do things differently because we're all unique. And this is what really makes management of any community just difficult because everybody engages with your game in a different way. Yeah, and it's this sort of variety of of this engagement that really can cause issues to come up. And often this is going to be conflict between what players want or how they approach the game. And there's a really clear and good example of this. For those who are familiar with the Super Smash Brothers community, you have the people who really think and believe that Smash Brothers is first and foremost a party game. Mm -hmm. And then you have people that believe and think first and foremost, it is a competitive game. And these two crowds do not get along. They do not agree about how to play the game. And they often get very angry at each other. Yeah, and the, the problem is that in actuality, if you're looking at the game from a simply mechanical or functional standpoint, it's all of that. Yeah, it's together. not one of them, it's both. And this is an issue that you run into with MMOs because they have a ton of different ways to interact with them because they're trying to appeal to such a large audience. Like the developers of MMOs in general, I, I say in general, are aware of the fact that they have a huge audience and so they have to hit all of these different points. Yeah, there's just some sort of uh, approaches that, that players will often take and I apparently really like scales. It helps capture the fact that people aren't necessarily 100% one way or the other, but it also uh, helps capture how as an emphasis towards something increases, something else is de-emphasized. Yeah. So um, one of the big ways of interacting with the game, uh, with an MMO in particular, are going to be moving from roleplay towards mechanical, or vice versa. So roleplay here is it's a focus on the experiencing the world, exploring it, kind of living out who the character is. Um, these sorts of players are going to more passionately care about the story in general. And um, one of the big things that's important here is that for these players, for the role-playing focused players, the game being too hard has a much larger impact on their enjoyment than it being too easy because they want to be able to experience all of the story, all of the plot, all of the lore when the game's too hard and they feel shut off and cut off from that because they can't get through it, it's a really big problem for them. Indeed. And then we have the other side of the spectrum, which is the people that engage with the game on a mechanical level. 
These guys are more focused on how the game works. They derive enjoyment from learning the systems, you know, min-maxing their stats. Uh, that's just finding the best way to use those stats in their opinions, you know. Uh, finding the most efficient routes to do whatever they want or get whatever it is they're looking for. Uh, for these people, they have the opposite problem to role players, uh, where if the game is too easy, they'll get bored with it. Yeah, and so it's an interesting issue where how do you make content that can appeal to both of these groups, right? Where one group wants content that challenges them and another group wants something to enjoy, but they don't want to be challenged. They want to experience the story. And these are just very different needs. And trying to make something to appeal to both is really hard. And then on top of that, you also have to take into account how much time people are putting into playing your game. Like there's an, a time investment here. And uh, I kind of describe these as casual and hardcore. This has nothing to do with skill or how they want to interact with the game, whether or not they want to interact in a roleplay way or mechanical way. This is entirely about how much time are they playing per week. So the casual players don't spend all that much time playing your game. It's probably less than 10 hours a week. And the hardcore players are spending a lot of their time playing your game, probably more than 10 hours per week. Almost definitely. Potentially substantially more. Yeah. And again, this one's on another scale because uh, being casual and hardcore, like, it's a little bit hard to be. Well, you can't, if you are not investing time in a game, you can't also be investing lots of time into the game. It just doesn't work and vice versa. Yeah. But there's there's one big thing that really happens between these two groups uh, that you can very easily see, which is sort of a class or wealth divide between these players. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, if you're spending a lot of time in the game, that means that you have a lot more time to get stuff in the game and to get gear. Uh, and that immediately, because you're investing more time, the game gives more back to you. Yeah. In other words, you play a lot, you get a lot of in-game economy. Like, you are worth a larger percentage of that in-game economy. So that's... Uh, that's another big divide and accommodating stuff for both of those players. And we'll get into this more uh, in a bit when we talk more about content. But making stuff to satisfy both of these is also very challenging. Yes. But it's not just sort of these angles of like role play focus versus like all of that stuff. That's kind of more, you know, aimed at the PvE player. But a lot of MMOs also have PvP. And this creates another divide in the community. So there's a couple of different ways that PvP can be implemented. Typically, you see either arenas, which are special areas for PvP. Um, so the player versus player stuff only happens in the arenas. But you also often, it's not uncommon to have sort of world PvP, which is where players can, you know, just kind of choose to battle each other wherever. There's a split there in the form of how the players are going to interact with that PvP in particular. Yeah, for sure. Not everybody likes PvP. And the people who do not like it become really frustrated and really turned off from a game when they feel like PvP is being forced on them in some way. Mm -hmm. And one of the other big things that'll happen is if a player only plays one format, PvP or PvE, but not the other one, something that often occurs uh, is that they kind of feel like what they like from the game is being compromised for the sake of the other group, and they don't like that. Yeah, it's an unfortunate thing that can come up just from the fact that Generally speaking, designers will try and make the valiant effort, um, and I say valiant effort because it's kind of a difficult thing to do, to keep skills consistent between the two formats when playing against a player is extremely different from playing against an enemy. 
And that just does a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. I know I've had experiences with like skills that are awful in player versus player, but when the enemy uses them, they're super obnoxious. Mm-hmm. So you have all of these sorts of different groups, and they have different concerns, different desires from the game, and it's really easy for conflict to occur between them. Yeah, conflict can appear pretty easily when you have all of these almost diametrically opposed desires from these players, because uh, someone who wants to play the game for a long time and get rewarded for that, and somebody who wants to play the game for a short time and get rewarded for that... It's really hard to actually appease both of them. Some might say it's nearly impossible to appease both in the same amount. And in that regard, that just makes this extremely difficult to do. So working off of that, um, many, many MMOs are out there and have attempted to do all sorts of things to try and deal with these dichotomies. And a big part of that comes out of how you design your content, how you work it all together. Yeah, and what sort of things you allow in the naming system, for example. Like, role players, particularly hardcore ones, really don't like it when somebody comes along with the name of, like, X Dragon Rider Extreme X or something. Yeah, and it's like, my name is Theus of the Three Moons. What is your name? X Dragon Rider X. Uh, okay, I don't know how to deal with this man. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just stuff like that that kind of breaks the immersion. Mm -hmm. But moving away from just that sort of a simple concept, I mean, it's a a simple thing to look at, but you're trying to appeal to as many different types of players as you can, right? And you also want to keep players playing because that's what your source of revenue is based off of. Yeah, if you're a subscription-based MMO, which... Most MMOs are, um, unless they've gone free to play. Um, but that usually means that the MMO's not making you any money anymore, so... Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, even if you have gone free to play, you really want to be retaining players who are wanting to buy... You have some sort of store, right, that you're selling yeah. stuff in yeah. for, for money. So you want to be maintaining a player base that wants the stuff that you have in there. So if you don't have any players, you're not selling anything still. That's true, true. So with that idea that you have to keep players in there, you have to keep them playing your game. Uh, This is one of the core things for MMO design is how do we keep player interest going? How do we appease as many players as possible while doing this? So along with this aspect of keeping people playing for as long as possible... Yeah, you run into another issue, especially when when, uh, an MMO is first made. It's going to run into this sort of issue. Most people aren't going to play more than one MMO at a time, so they're all sort of competing with each other. Uh, So when an MMO is first being developed the developers are often trying to do too much because they're trying to compete with established MMOs. Games like World of Warcraft that had been around for a decade. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's almost impossible for them to be able to devote enough time and energy into developing something that it took a team 10 plus years to develop. Yeah, because a game like World of Warcraft, how many expansions are you competing with there? Uh, I mean, at least easily more than, I mean, easily more than six or seven, I think. I have no idea. A lot. There's a ton of content that's just been there, and they've had so much time to figure out what feels good, what feels bad, and even more so, had a player base that they could experiment with to figure out how things worked. Yeah. 
so they have experience also. So you, know, you just have this result of, uh, particularly with new MMOs, that a lot of systems don't quite have as much time put in them as, as they really need. And designs can also get really bloated and lose focus because they're just trying to do too much, bite off too much at once. Mm. But even when you get beyond that, once you have an MMO that's been established, the developers are on this sort of like constant treadmill of trying to make stuff for people to play. But what that actually looks like to satisfy the players, that uh, can be quite complicated. Because you have, for example, your hardcore players, and you need to make enough stuff to satisfy these people who are putting a ton of time into your game. But at the same time, you also have these casual players that don't have a lot of time to put into your game, at least not compared to the hardcore ones. And so you need to try to not overwhelm them. So to kind of put an example here, you might have one of these more hardcore players that's playing your game 70 hours a week, and maybe they can get through a new content release in a week, right? So, you know, it took them 70 hours to get through. And if they aren't satisfied, you know, they can easily feel like the game isn't worth their money or time if they don't feel like you're you're providing enough stuff for them. But you can also run into the same issue, you know, if you have a casual player that's only playing seven hours a week, it takes them ten times as long to get through. It takes them ten weeks to finish this content. And it can make them feel like they really just can't keep up. And when that happens, it can be a, a very negative emotional uh, response that they have to that where they feel like this game's not for me. I can't keep up with it. It's not for me. So they might just quit out of not feeling like they can keep up. And along with that particular design pressure point, we move on to uh, designing encounters in these games, which is very difficult due to a massive amount of unknown information. Because you have to remember, well, other than the fact that it's a massively multiplayer game, so there's all everything's going to be massive. Yeah. But you have a whole bunch of players playing in these games, and these are usually fairly party-based, but it's a thing of where, you know, drop in, drop out, party structure might be there, or banding together to go out and do a thing. Yeah, you got these uh, big persistent zones with, sometimes you'll just get a big old mob of players rampaging through the zone, right? And sometimes the zone's empty, except for like three people. Yeah. In different corners of the map. And so you have to balance for both of these situations, because you... Um, realistically, you're not going to know how many players are going to be attacking any given enemy in the game. Um, so you have to figure out ways to, to deal with that. Yeah, and one of the other things you have to worry about is you don't necessarily know what angle the encounter is going to come from. Like, compare an MMO where the player could literally be coming from any direction to something that has more carefully planned encounters. Like a Mario game, for example, might have more carefully planned encounters of, oh, we know the enemy is going to be coming from this direction, the player is going to be coming from this direction, here's how this reaction is going to go. Or uh, like Dark Souls, I mean, it's a very good example because one of their, the key parts of that game, of those games, is setting up combat encounters for the player. You can't really do that very well in, in the open world and MMOs because where's the player coming from? Like, yeah. How do you plan for that? And then on top of that, we have the dichotomies that show up from just who the players are. Like, how skilled is the player at your game? This is not necessarily guaranteed because they could have been carried up to this point and then left behind, or they may have a sequence break, but not exactly. Yeah, well, like, there's just lots of ways that the, the player could be potentially dragged there where, you know, maybe a guild carried them or... You know, maybe a mob, they, they're traveling with a mob or something like that. And you can also run into a, a related issue, which is how well equipped is the player? You might have a player that's just got a bunch of really lousy equipment that can oftentimes be very impactful in an MMO. And do they just kind of get dragged there? 
And there's another thing that can also kind of make things complicated, which is griefers, players that want to intentionally create negative play experiences for other players. I have thought of systems to try to solve the how many players are attacking this enemy problem and trying to prevent or minimize the ability that griefers can have to impact on that system because you know there will be players who will try to abuse the system if they can. That makes it really impossible. Yeah, and it's an unfortunate dealie, but it comes with anything where you have a large community interaction and players are able to affect each other's experiences. You will have players that take joy in other players' sadness. Yeah. So you have all of these sorts of uncertain elements and other situations that makes things really difficult to kind of design for. But on top of that, you have other things like respawning enemies in a persistent world leading to accidental ambushes or setting up farming route schedules, stuff like that. Things that other games just don't have to worry about. There's also just one additional thing you need to worry about, and it's more of a general design thing, but latency. You have to expect latency among your player base, especially in a country like the United States of America that has really crummy internet. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's <laughs> you, you can see all sorts of things where look at like Japan or South Korea where they have real competition in the market mm-hmm. and also significantly less land to cover. Indeed. But like that latency is going to impact it's going to what, impact how you design your game. Yeah, it'll impact the play of your game and everyone realizing that you're behind everyone else um, on the field and knowing that it's not any cause of your own that's a super negative play experience uh for some reason I, I have in my mind a story i want to tell about some of the most ridiculous latency i've dealt with no oh, yeah. it, it was when i was uh, doing some uh some pvp thing in guild wars one and i just remember man i seem to be really having a nasty lag spike right now none of my skills are working i can't seem to do anything I look down at my ping was like a minute and a half ow <laughs> yeah, I don't remember if I ended up disconnecting or not, but uh, yeah. Anyway, we also need to talk about economy and rewards. So some of this we talked about a little bit on our podcast on video game economics. But to kind of just reiterate this topic, inflation this is a huge issue. You have so many sources of income, right? So inflation, for those who aren't actually f- that familiar with the concept, it's what happens when money is worth less because there's more of it. So what will happen with just the United States, for example, all countries will deal with this problem, is the government is constantly printing new dollars, uh, new new coins, they're, they're minting them, all this sort of thing. The reason why they're doing this is a couple fold. Uh, one is they need to replace currency that is not functioning anymore because it's just been out there so long it's falling apart. They only have so much durability. They they only last so long, right? Yeah. But there's other reasons too. Uh, it helps with potentially like paying off some debt and paying off for things. It's it's one of those things. Once you get to countrywide economics, is like they literally can print money at yeah. the nationwide level. Well, when you look at an MMO, and and that's what leads to inflation is it's just printing more money, so there's more of it, so each one is not worth as much. Yeah. In an MMO, what ends up happening is every single player is acting like their own little mint. Mm-hmm. because every time gold is generated for that player from like an enemy dying them getting some item that they sell to the store or just a straight up money drop that is making money that's adding to inflation and that is something that is really hard to manage because if you want to keep your players playing they have to get a reward of some sort uh, when they're doing stuff well i guess they don't have to get a reward but it's really hard to incentivize without some sort of uh it tends to feel really lame yeah. If you're not getting something. 
And the most common reward is currency or, or money. Or stuff that translates into it. And then this is like a further compounded by trading between players, which can lead to all sorts of variant prices. And so you'll get stuff that's worth astronomical sums of, of in-game currency. Uh, eventually, just due to inflation and demand and all those sorts of things. And further complicating this is making effective gold sinks is really difficult, especially because you need to balance them between casual and hardcore players. Remember, this is where we're looking at income brackets, right? So setting up a system to effectively gold sink or try... Effectively what a gold sink is, is it's a way of trying to delete currency to try to control inflation. And trying to set up those systems that way they are sufficiently effective against your super rich players, your more hardcore players that have gotten a lot of currency, while at the same time not making it so that way your casual players are just crushed under horrendous amounts of effectively taxes, that's difficult. Yeah, and the other bit that comes along with that is that with players farming for specific loots, they'll get a lot of just other things that they have to get rid of, and that's going to put more money into the market as well. Yeah, that's just always going to generate more currency. So one of the things that comes out of this is rewards need to be kind of distributed a little judiciously to try to manage inflation, but it's really easy if you're doing that to leave players feeling kind of under-rewarded for, you know, beating enemies. So it especially becomes true the fewer other players that they're playing with, basically, because that typically means that encounters with enemies will take longer or be harder, often both. So what might feel like an appropriate reward for a group of like 10 people feels like a really lame reward when you're by yourself. And so that closes it up for the three biggest issues we consider with MMO development and design, just the things that you have to really worry about when you're making an MMO. And again, that's community management, managing all of the people that are in there and making sure they're having a good time. Yeah. Uh, and then content design where you're making stuff for them to do that can at least make most of them happy. You're not going to be able to make all of them happy. Don't don't ever fool yourself into thinking that. But if you can at least provide stuff that will appeal to each of them, that's the important thing. But that's really difficult because there's just so much divergent need and desire in there. And oftentimes, you know, going back to community management, trying to make it so that way they don't feel neglected is can be very difficult or that one group is being sacrificed in favor of the other. That's hard to do. Yeah. And finally, the economy and the reward system. Yeah. And again, if you want to know more about that, go ahead and look up our podcast on video game economics, uh, where we just talk about that whole sort of concept in, in greater detail. And a lot of the issues that apply to single player games just apply way more strongly to MMOs. All of this comes together into one particular big statement, which is that Really, the biggest issue when making an MMO and what really makes it difficult is that you just have a huge and very diverse audience with divergent goals and desires. And the design is strained by this large audience. Uh, and so it's something that is it's just very difficult to do. <laughs> yeah. So that uh, wraps it up for this particular topic. We hope that it has given you some stuff to think about. And uh, next time we're going to launch into a rather in-depth three-part series on uh, on builds in games. And it's we're going to start off particularly looking at Guild Wars 1 and Guild Wars 2. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be over the, the course of a couple of podcasts because there's a lot to say. Yeah, buckle in, people. We're going to be in for the long haul on this next set. And I might need some honey tea to get through it. <laughs> Well, it's good for throats, right? I think it is. That's what I've heard. It's delicious, too. <laughs> anyway, this is Santier signing off. And this is Redcoat 
signing off. Play the games you want to play, boyos.